especially because of the forgiveness. When we do the forgiveness work, see, guilt seeks. All we're ever doing is forgiving deeply held unconscious guilt, projecting out onto the world. And um, that guilt seeks punishment, that punishment seeks pain in some way. When you melt away that guilt, that's that that uncomfortable feeling that we don't allow ourselves to feel, so it becomes subconscious. Um, we start to melt that away with our willingness to love and to forgive. So what it takes us home to is the recognition of our worth and that we are worthy of what we truly desire. We are worthy of having things come to us easily, that we are meant to have, that there is an abundance in this world, there truly is. And it's allowing ourselves to experience that. Hello, beautiful people. On today's podcast, we have the glorious Julie Way. Julie has a full-time practice as a breath worker and is a specialized lifeline technique practitioner. She is the author of the book's Personal Mastery and Thoughts for a Miraculous Life. She holds a degree in comparative religion, spirituality, and mysticism, and holds monthly presentations that focus on a practical approach to the evolution of genuine spiritual, emotional, and mental peace. What I personally love about this conversation is Julie's ability to connect spirituality with practicality. I first heard of Julie through a friend who had shared many testimonials of the success of Julie's breathwork in helping people to release physical, emotional, and mental stress. This deeply intrigued me as I am particularly interested in the areas of both research and practice when it comes to releasing trapped energy in the body that can manifest in unconscious fear responses. Julie is all about 100% responsibility in your life. And this is certainly a belief that I continue to see time and time again in the lives of those that are most happiest, fulfilled, and at peace. It is certainly a harder one to embody at the more challenging of times, but I continue to tell myself this does not make it any less important or necessary. It is indeed the pathway to self-empowerment. Julie shares how love is only real and fear is always telling lies. How addiction always starts out as a short-term solution and becomes a long-term problem. She shares about the power of forgiveness using a real-life example in which she had to practice what she preaches when experiencing a deep feeling of betrayal by a former partner and she encourages us to understand that the quality of our thoughts create our reality. I will say the audio is slightly distorted at times, which is unfortunate as all that she shares is certainly full of wisdom. But in saying this, when listening back to this podcast, there was something really beautiful about the intermittency of it all. That it wasn't this constant intake, but the brain listens more intently to what it needs to hear in this moment. For me personally, it was about forgiving myself for what I do not want in my life and being open to receiving what I do. I would recommend listening to this in a quiet space with intention, or go out and exercise, clean the house, but just be open to the teachings that are relevant to you. And always feel free to share with me the insight that you have learned. If you are enjoying this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, share with friends and family, become part of the To Be Human Collective, and truly connect with this insightful conversation with the beautiful Julie Way. Welcome to the To Be Human podcast, Julie Way. 
Thank you so much. (laughs) It's such a pleasure to have you here, Julie. Um, As you're aware, I've read your book. I've listened to most of your audio CDs. Um, I'm such a big fan of your work. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Great. So Julie, where I want to start is in your book, Personal Mastery, there was something actually, there was many things that I read in that book that truly resonated with me and sort of touched me very deeply. And for me, it's quite rare to have a book that does that in so many ways. And one of the things that you wrote that did this for me is you said, it is important to note that if I had not needed healing around this, the arrows of this person's words would not have met their mark. Uh So I would love to start Julie, was speaking to you about your belief in 100% responsibility and how we experience our life. It's my favourite subject. (laughs) I think we are 100% accountable and responsible for everything in our lives, even if we don't like it. And that gives us the freedom and power and the choice to experience it differently. There often comes a time in our lives where we question, you know, why is this happening to me? Um, you know, and who's responsible for this? And I think just in asking that, that question, that just points you in the direction of answering it. But when we do take, and when we do take that level of responsibility, um, in regards to the people in our lives, especially when something upsets us and angers us or frustrates us or annoys us or irritates us, um, mm-hmm. that quote um, was definitely about that everything out there in the world is reflecting back to us something for us to either to forgive or to embrace and extend or embrace with love. Mm -hmm. So uh, the mirror principle basically says that that nothing out there, sorry, everything out there (laughs) has to do with us. Um, It's a mirror for us to show us where we ask there's something that wishes to be healed and the healing we always take personal risk. I always start with personal responsibility when I do the talks. But I always end up in the same place about how to do that. And that's that it's always a case of forgiveness. That something that's something reflecting the world out there is reflecting something unforgivable. And so this then allows us to feel more powerful around the situations in our lives. That we can exert uh, a profound influence, it's already inside of us, the ability to transform our lives. And that's why it's taking responsibility and then bringing our love in some form to that situation mm-hmm. with anybody. It's not easy at the beginning, especially, not easy. However, with persistence, um, the rewards can be immediate. Um, sometimes they're immediate, sometimes it's doesn't happen that night, but you get rewarded for that because you get rewarded with a larger paradigm and an experience of peace and safety and recognition of who we truly are. Because ultimately the, the world out there, the mirror of the world, is to show us that we're perfect without our judgments and that we can love ourselves unconditionally. And they're just they're not pretty words. They 
can be an experience for us. But, of course, we have to do the work. We have to go into our spiritual gym, which is right in front of us every day. Our life is our spiritual practice. But it is like a spiritual gym where you are asked to pick up weights that maybe you haven't picked up before. And it feels hard when you do that for the first time, push a weight up and go, oh, gosh, it's feels really hard. The only way you get better at that, we I know I'm preaching to converted here to most people who are out there, is that with practice, with discipline, which is not a dirty word, it just means practice, that continually taking that level of responsibility, often with a big sign, you go, okay, I'm accountable here. I've already had a human reaction. You've got to have a human reaction first to know what you're healing. And by that I mean is that you emotionally respond to it with anything other than love by being angry, upset, annoyed, fearful, um, guilty, what, whatever you experience that takes you out of your purpose. That's revealing to you what is asking to be healed that you can take responsibility for and then bring your, <clears throat> excuse me, your positive power to that because that's more real than what you're seeing out there. And that positive power within you is um, comes deep from deep the, the truth of who you are, which is the love within you. So no matter what, I think all personal growth and spiritual growth is going to take you back to recognising who you really are rather than identifying with the conditioning that um, that we've learned about ourselves and about the world, which is very dualistic. It's very good, bad, and right wrong. And I'm saying that there is another world to experience that is based on um, unity, um, um, a sense of that there's only one of us here, <laughs> that we really are a humanity that is all joined at this deeper level. That's what unites us is this deeper level of um, having the same source, which is the love within us and all the things that spring from that that we say will make us happy. You know, we think that when um, uh, we're conditioned to believe that certain things will make us happy, and that means the quotes of being feeling safe, feeling loved, feeling we can trust something, feeling free, feeling um, experiencing our innocence and our joy and our beauty. But we often seek to find those things really outside of ourselves. And in this human world, you know, you're going to be at some point disappointed. You know, we get disappointed because we look for these things not really in the place where they are, which, of course, is inside of us, you know, the richness. Like in The Course in Miracles, it says it's the journey without distance that we take. I love that statement, a journey without distance. It's really just back to ourselves. And in a way, that's incredibly reassuring. It's like, what? You know, it's not so far away. It's not until I meet someone. It's not until I have a perfect job. It's not until I get the, the best body that I can have. But what I'm really looking for, I mean, you can have those things too, but it's our attachment to those things that cause us pain. And But eventually, we're always, even in our disappointment, um, we, we are led back to ourselves and to the richness and the truth of our being. Yeah. That was a so, long answer. <laughs> <laughs> that was a beautiful answer. Okay. And because... In the last year, I've, I've certainly been trying to practice this idea of 100% responsibility. And I find in my own life, there are times when I get really excited about that and I feel truly empowered. And mm. there are times when I feel really challenged by it. And mm. it's really hard 
to sort of sit in an uncomfortable situation and truly face what is sort of being delivered to you to heal, to become aware of and to heal. What do you think it is in those moments that we resist sort of leaning into, I suppose, the pain or whatever is sort of happening that we know that there's a message there, but we feel more inclined to sort of turn our back on it than to face it? I just think that we, what do we resist? Well, resistance is just fear and it's, um, and it tells lies. It doesn't tell the truth. Mm. Um, Look, whenever you're growing, you're expanding the limits of what you know and what's familiar and what's comfortable and that's what, it feels uncomfortable. And if you're uncomfortable, great, because you know you're growing past that proverbial comfort zone where everything's predictable and knowable and comfortable and safe, but it's also boring <laughs> because if the universe is expanding all the time, I think I believe we are invited to as well. Our life invites us constantly to go beyond the place where we are at to become more. And we can resist that because I think change is tied up and equated to loss, yeah. the fear of loss. Um, and we think we can lose something that we're meant to have. Um, even just a paradigm with perspective, um, a relationship, you know, anything, a, a, a job, a, a living quarters, we, we think we can lose. Now, that's a big con because the truth is that loss is impossible. You can't lose someone you're meant to have and who's of value to you and who's to your high school. And so there's nothing to struggle with or fight for when we have that information. But initially our first response comes from that, that ego part of us, which is basically just part of our mind that works against us, the fear in us, that jumps up and down first and guards the threshold of expanding out into the unknown from the circle of what we know out into a larger world. Um, and fear will always jump up and down and try to convince you, oh, God, you know, this, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and that's going to happen. And, of course, we do listen to it often initially. We back back, we back down, back to where it's comfortable and safe. But then we can't stand it anymore. We get pushed into right to that end, or we want to go there, right to the very edge of what we know. And um, and sometimes we go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, about this level of taking responsibility, moving into the unknown, <clears throat> until at some point something more takes us, as we move up to the edge of what we know, and takes us through out into the unknown. Mm-hmm. And it's always, in my experience, it has to do with love. Love always in some way invites us to that edge and takes us through. And then we find out, of course, that all our fears were nonsense and that instead of the tigers and lions and, and you know, whatever monsters we thought were out there in the forest of the unknown, we find that we are given the gifts of enrichment and um, more of the things that we truly, truly want. And we earn them by going through that fear. Fear is an initiation. And I always refer to when I first saw Indiana Jones, the last crusade, the search for the Holy Grail, at the very end where he has four tests and he passes the first two because he's a history professor. Now, he's got it down and pretty much knows it. But then he gets to the leap from the lion's head and he comes out onto the edge of the precipice where the camera pans down and it's so deep and dark, this crevasse, 
if you can't see the bottom on the other side is where the cave is for the Holy Grail. And for the first time, our hero was daunted. And he said, nobody can do this. No one can do this. And he pulled out his dad's book and it, and it shows a knight walking on thin air. <clears throat> and he realises it's a test of faith, which, of course, is another word for trust. And he goes, oh, <laughs> and they do. He goes, actually goes to go back to this. Then they call out and he said, they said, Dad, hurry up, your, your father's dying. So he doesn't go back. He almost not because um, it's his love of his dad that said he can only go forward. So he looks up at the lion, the leaf from the lion's head. The lion represents, of course, courage, which is on all the shields of the knights. And courage means of the heart. Mm. And so he puts his hand, this is a special thing, it's very difficult, his hand on his heart, and it pans back and he's sweating and he steps out right into nothingness. And then to find out, of course, that it was an illusion. That there was a, a bridge there that he couldn't see and he would never have known that he would truly, truly stay and free to move forward if he hadn't taken that risk and stepped out into the out into nothingness. So the moral of the story <laughs> is I say that a greater the perceivers risk in anything, the greater the reward. Mm. And we are constantly asking our lives to go through our fears, to know the truth that they are, that they tell lies, that they never tell the truth, which of course is different from survival and intuition, which is something we all have inside us to know what's the name for us and what's not. It's that intelligence within us that guides us. But most of, for most people, that's making them not fear um, <clears throat> because we've all experienced fear in our lives and perhaps um, haven't integrated it, haven't released it, um, haven't moved through it, just thought it was real and bought the movie and pushed it down again. But there is this wonderful um, guidance within us that we can trust. And it's ourselves to know who we want to trust. So... Yeah, it's always to answer your question. It's 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 fear that jumps up and down that makes it feels like it's hard. And when we look a little deeper, we go, oh, here it is. I I'm a, I resist this because resistance is fear. Right? And if it's not acknowledged, it becomes pain in some way. So pain is resistance caused by fear. And if we can know that and know the true nature of fear, that it tells lies, then we then you, you've got to ask to what this experience. Is, is the fear that I will lose, I heard let's say, lose a person. Um, and see, if that tells lies, then what's the truth? The truth is that you are safe and I am safe and everyone else is safe, that we are safe and that's the truth, that covers it all. And often what I do is that when fear grabs me by the throat and throws me around the room, because it's very convincing, <laughs> it's very convincing. Um, and... But with a knowledge, the greater knowledge that you have, that allows you to um, go, hang on here, I'm in fear. I know that fear tells a lie, so what's the truth? The truth is I'm safe. So even just to say and to repeat, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. Now, you'll say it to convince yourself at first because you might be feeling all the same. But with enough, I'm safe. At some point, because you're going for a higher frequency, that's a higher frequency than fear. At some point, you'll tip, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. You'll take a deep breath, which is what I did when I first discovered this. And <clears throat> I take a deep breath and went, oh, I'm safe. And I've got it in my body because I challenged it. 
we can mentally, excuse me, we can mentally know something and think, oh, that sounds wonderful. But it's about integrating it and and bringing it right into our experience by the choices that we make, not just to think that it's pretty words. I'd love to talk to you about integration, Julie, because when you talk about fear being so convincing, I really resonate with that. I feel like for most of my life, certainly up until sort of my early 30s, I identified with sort of this fear-based experience as if it was myself. And it was only very recently in the last couple of years that I've come to understand through knowledge and information that I've sort of made a misidentification in that. So I'd love to talk to you about, because I feel like this is one of the most powerful and transformative things that I've ever learned is to understand the difference between your ego and your true self. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, the ego is basically the fear. It's a fear in us. And it's it's not what's real, but we think it's real. And we have the moment you took on a body, you know, you, you took on an ego. Um, the thing is when we're born and when little babies are born, they are pure love and they <clears throat> come from that place. However, from them, and that's why birthing rooms, you know, the energy is very beautiful and, mm-hmm. and holy in a way. But the moment that child is born, they start taking on uh, the identification of the body by these lock eyes with another human being because their survival depends on that. And that's what the body is. The body is about survival and our ego is about survival. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that child will be picked up and connected with. How, so we, we grow up with that ego, and, and the good purpose of that ego, of course, is that it's there to protect you and, and ensure your survival in a world you didn't understand. So that was its good, that's its good purpose to be there. However, as an adult, relying only on that, we discover that there's um, that we are innately protected by being who we are. That's we can't. But that's the truth, really, rather than thinking that we have to protect ourselves. I'm just thinking of a quote, I don't think it was by, but it, um, I think it was, I can't remember, I think it was, um, oh, I remember, Emmanuel's Choice, Choice for Life, he says, the ego says, I'll keep you safe. Love says, you are safe. That's what I mean by that. So that's the truth of it. So that it is, isn't it? So the ego is a part of our mind that works against us. And at some point we start waking up and, and we start to say, hang on here, I am not the things that I fear and that the fear is not the only thing that I have to respond to or think that it's real, that there are other things that are more real and more powerful. And so in contrast, um, well, see, the ego thinks all the things we think that cause us pain. They think that it thinks in your mind that other people can hurt, hurt me and um, I can hurt other people. It thinks that it's not safe to be ourselves, so we have to protect ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a whole list of them in my book, of course. Um, so it's a part of our mind that works against us and that, that where we experience that reacts to things rather than response. And it's the voice that speaks loudest and speaks first, the one that, goes, that reacts and goes, rah, 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 rah. But there's another voice, like, oh, it's true, just back here, <laughs> that speaks quietly. And that, that is the voice of our true self, of our spirit, of our soul, and of our being. 
which we are becoming in this life, or we can be uh, becoming and identifying more with. So the true self within us is the love within us. It's it's the, the gorgeousness in us. It's um, the beauty in us. It's the joy. It's it's all the beautiful and good and, and wonderful things that come from love. And I think that when we start to, not I think, yeah, I both, that when we start to awaken to this part of ourselves, we then start to see that in others or we can choose to see it in others, especially in others who look like they have the light in them that's really, you know, <laughs> being very deep. And by choosing to believe in them and have faith in them rather than to doubt who they are as, oh, that person will never change. That people rise to our expectations. As a school teacher, we were taught that kids rise to your expectations. So do people. And so when I choose to see and go beyond anything other than loving that person and choose to see the sweetness, the kindness, the worthiness of being loved and forgiven, then I think that contributes creatively to that person recognising it in themselves because I chose to. And when we strive to go past that part of ourselves that just the ego that wants to make wrong or put down or blame or react or, you know, get back, and we go beyond that, something amazing happens, something creative and miraculous happens where we experience not only a shift in ourselves, but we often see it in them as well. And, and they can surprise you and go, hey, my back doesn't fuck if you've done a personal growth workshop, you know, because it's because, and you can take credit for that by your choice. It's like when you strive to go beyond your human level of, or your egoic level of human, um, you take the whole class with you. You affect other people profoundly by who you are and what you align with, what we align with. Um, and that striving can't be kept to yourself and that um, success in, in achieving um, a loving, coming from a loving place rather than anything else um, affects so many people and you make a difference in the world. And to me, if that's all you do, that's more than enough, is that you contribute in a loving way to this world. It's, it's not an airy-fairy thing. It's a very powerful thing. I think it's really what we came here to do is to, to love more, you know, and to, to be of service to others in that way. And, of course, as you would know, that's incredibly fulfilling. You know, you know you're on track. You know, I was thinking the other day, I thought, how do we know we're on track? I go, it's what you leave behind you. You leave behind you think, I left a really loving place. I left someone with a kind word. I left with someone with um, being generous to them. You know, when they weren't generous to me, that kind of thing. That's how well you know you're doing, that you're on track because you, number one, feel so fulfilled that you're leaving this legacy behind you um, of where you've been. That's how you know you're on track. You're doing what you're trying to do. You're making this world a better place. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And when you talk about ego... To my understanding, it sounds like in your teachings you talk about it being very much developed at a young age. I feel like this is sort of a similar context to addiction and I really love how you speak about addiction um, and I, I'm not going to quote you here, I'm just going off the top of my head, but it was something along the lines of, you know, what starts 
offers a short-term remedy to a problem, sort of something along the lines of yeah, ends up being along. a long-term solution. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I would love to talk more about that because I feel like almost all of us experience addiction in some way that did start as sort of as a coping mechanism to something, but then ends up being the problem itself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, that's the pity of that, that. That it becomes the end result rather than going, "Hang on, I am more than what I'm going through right now." And it's not, and some people, people become addicted because they think that's all the option that they have. It's the only choice that they have and to remedy it. Now, in our, and in our world, sometimes that's what's all that seems to be often. But, of course, that's not true. Um, it is a trap, but I've seen people come even out of those traps um, and say there's got to be more because they're, we hit a pain tolerance, I think. Um, our, in some of in our lives, there comes a point when we realise, oh, my God, this is a dead end fight. You know, I just can't go any further than this. Something greater than us even, even then does, says that. And we hit that pain tolerance. And what, what our pain tolerance, what hits it is our self-esteem. Somewhere the light in us is enough. There has to be another way other than the suffering. And then, to me, they're the magic words because it's like, the universe supports that. The spirit supports you finding another way other than the suffering that you're going through. And that's when things start to change. Um, it's to be remembered whenever we take something for pain or in and try endeavor to alleviate what we're experiencing, it's really if we can only know that it's meant to be short term and it's not meant to be long. And that there are incredibly um, there are other options. It's like the, the, when people uh, go through addictions, they end up in rehab. And what happens there, of course, is they really get in touch with the real reasons why they're addicted. And it's always to alleviate in some way anxiety. That's all addictions alleviate anxiety, are an attempt to alleviate anxiety. And so I think that's what really needs to be addressed is the anxiety we feel that comes from our thinking or from our experiences that's never been resolved. So you really do have to go deeper. And um, But there's always an answer. You know, a, a solution, a problem is never solved at the level of the problem. It's always outside of the problem. You have to go out further than functioning with this particular thing. And that's often when we, we have to put our hands up and say, I need some help here. And that that's wonderful when people do that, but it also makes you, the reason why people don't do it is because it makes you vulnerable. And in our world that we've been conditioning, we've equated a vulnerability with being one of many things or all of many things, like being weak, the fear of being weak, the fear of being controlled, the fear of being rejected, um, gosh, how many more? Um, just any fear that we have tied up to vulnerability that will be ridiculed. I mean, you get to see enough of that when our politician stands up and shows their feelings. So they get so ridiculed. And so we, we see that and go, well, why would I do that? Why would I show that I'm feeling really emotional or something is touching me deeply? So we don't allow ourselves to feel that vulnerability. When we, the truth is outside of that thinking is that you are invulnerable when you're wrong because your vulnerability is real your true state and your true strength. That's real. 
Um, but it would always take courage, you know. When the first thing when I run groups with people, people sort of long term, and the, the first person who cries or just really shows tells the truth and that one's gone who's authentic, um, they become the safest person in the room for everyone else because they're shown who they really are. And we just have to wait for that to happen <laughs> is that they do that. And then that, that opens up the whole the whole level of the of the group work that, that I do that allows people to become safe with being more authentic. And in your idea of sort of addiction stemming from anxiety, obviously you've worked with many people successfully. Do you find the answer is to always move through that fear rather than obviously deny it or suppress it? Absolutely. And in a safe way, though, it's got to be safe. Right. Yeah, yeah it's, it has to be safe. Because well, one of the ways that we know that we're carrying fear is that when we have poor circulation, in our hands and feet. Many people come to see me and go, oh, I've got poor circulation. And, um, and I always know that that's fear trapped in the body. So sometimes uh, in the breath work that I do, that becomes even more apparent. And if that's a safe way for me to be released. Um, so it's finding safety. It's in a safe environment that true, deep emotional healing takes place. But it's finding the right person for you. Sometimes we'll knock on a few doors, right? And, it, and if we don't get our needs met straight away, we keep knocking. You don't give up. If you don't give up, then you just, at some level, you're not ready for it. But if you really want something, you keep knocking at that door. That's an initiation is to go through that rejection again and again and again. I had to ask one of my teachers three times if I could come and see him. And I was only 21, 22. But every time he sort of turned away or looked away, <laughs> When I asked, I said, I really need to come and see you. I walk home going, oh, he said, no, he didn't answer me. I'm going to have to ask him again. <laughs> but the third time that I did, um, he turned around like, like this and said, when? And that's an old teaching that I really love saying around in the 70s, that you are, you have to knock at the door three times and they have to let you. Um, is that, but you have to go through being rejected. Um, or feeling rejected. So it's like you put your fear in front of you. That's what you have to do is you put your fear in front of you and you go through it. So you don't let it scare you. Um, there comes a point when you can't do that anymore because you just have to find what you're looking for. Mm. Uh, you know you have to find that. You know there's more than what you're going through. Yeah. And that, that's it's just spiritual gym. Yeah, it's where your, your muscles are strengthened, your inner muscles. So you're able to navigate your life with empowerment and safety and belief in yourself. There was a point in my life once where I was quite young where I realised that I can trust myself to work things out. And it was a poignant moment, you know, those poignant moments where all of a sudden you go, oh, and you go, I know I can trust myself and my own thinking to take me where I find the truth for myself. Mm. And, it, and that was absolutely true. And the truth is we can trust ourselves to know who we want to trust. We don't have to trust everyone out there with our bank account details or our heart because there are some people out there who are not trustworthy with those kinds of things. But there's one person on this planet who you can trust and that's yourself to know who and what to trust. And that's a resonant time, you know, experience to to choose that for yourself and to know that you are trustworthy for yourself. Very, very powerful. Recognize. Yeah. 
So powerful. And I I feel like that is sort of the next level because I think throughout sort of my um, exploration, certainly something that was really powerful in my life was the idea of trust and surrender to, you know, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. So sort of that, that larger energy than myself. But I think what I'm hearing, the message that I'm getting from you personally is that there is so much power in that ability to be able to also trust yourself. Yes, indeed. Because you can. Because when you talk about spirituality, you're talking about yourself in relationship to that. And to me, you are are a spirit, okay? You're not a body. You have a body, but you are a spirit. And so it's about bringing that spirituality to to this world. So it works for you and it does work for you because over time, uh, with practice, life is meant to get better and better where you have a happy dream <laughs> rather than anything else. It might still be a dream, but it's, it's where you do not suffer. There's a certain point when we recognise that we do not have to suffer. And it's in the words of Shirley Gagelman, who was a teacher of Shakti Gawain, who was from the 70s and 80s. She wrote a book called Creative Visualisation Shakti. And her teacher was Shirley Gagelman. And at the beginning of my book, I quote her and I say, um, she says, the only reason we suffer is in order to know that we don't have to suffer. Mm. Now, that is very powerful. It's like, I don't have to suffer. No, you don't have to suffer. So you can experience it, experience something different. You can have more ease in your life. You can have the flow that's that through your life, but just by joining it, by not resisting what's happening and starting to trust what's happening in your life. Now, that doesn't mean, I know many people I've looked at this, they say, but what about domestic violence? You can't trust that. I said, well, I would not recommend that you stay in a place, you know, experiencing domestic violence or any other kind of violence or perpetration um, or crossing of boundaries, personal boundaries on all levels. And so remove yourself from that. But at some point, you know, you take responsibility for your life and your own safety. You don't let people walk all over you either. Love has very firm boundaries. And it says, no, this is not okay. That comes from love, not from fear. And from respect and regard for the self, knowing that you're so worthy of having more than anything like that. But that's that's real. So, um, yeah. And I'd love to talk to you, Julie, about forgiveness. I know this is a very passionate topic of yours. And I think in relation to everything that we've spoken about, there is that underlying um, lesson that there is power in not only forgiving others for what we've experienced, but also that level of self-forgiveness with ourselves. Can you please share a little bit more on your teachings with this? Uh-huh. Okay, forgiveness. Um, true forgiveness, I think it's one of the fastest ways, right? I think it really is. Uh, why would we want to forgive unless there was an amazing enrichment and reward? And reward, of course, is the recognition of who you are for a start. And all the beauty and peace and safety uh, that comes from that and more than joy. Um, it's not about condoning poor behaviour. Boy, do I have to get that in quick. Because most people will switch on that forgiveness. I don't yeah. think they're going to get away with it, all that kind of thing. 
because it's not about it, but it's about going beyond the behaviour and choosing to release yourself from the pain that you're in. Even if that thing that or the person, the perpetration occurred many years ago, we are still suffering from it. Um, that is the thing. That's the inspiration to go, you don't have to keep suffering for something that happened 25 years ago or even yesterday. Um, and it's how to do forgiveness. Number one, without condoning poor behaviour, it's your willingness to forgive. You don't, you don't have to have anything else except a poppy seed's worth of willingness. Now, a poppy seed is tiny. I grow poppy seeds, those beautiful red ones, and the seeds are minuscule. So that's all you need is that level of willingness. So the second step is that you don't do the forgiveness. You surrender that beautiful word or release uh, the process of forgiveness over to your concept of the divine, of the spiritual level of life, of the love within you with a capital L, of the higher power, of the higher self. Um, and I, I, I consider that really personal. So it's like, so what I say, the third step is that this abundance just means practice to say this whenever you're feeling at the effect of income or your peace is disturbed. Very simply, when you're backed up into that corner where there's nowhere else to go because nothing else works, except to go down on your knees and say, <laughs> I'm willing to forgive this and I release this over to a higher power or higher self or whole mind within me and I'm free. You can insert, instead of saying this, you can put a person's name in there you can uh, say myself, you can say, I'm willing to forgive this guilt I'm feeling, I release it over to higher power. I'm willing to forgive the fear I'm feeling, I release it over to higher power. And I'm free. Or I am loved. Or I'm at peace. I call them um, bracket statements after there with the statement of, I am willing to forgive. And it's that simple. Now, in the Course of Miracles, it says, simplicity is of the spirit and complexity is of the ego. It's that simple. It has to be simple for me to even um, consider things, anything. So, and it's with practice. And that you say, I'm willing to forgive, I'm willing to forgive. And at times you will have, it may not happen overnight, but it will happen. And at times you will have an immediate response of letting go of that thing that you're forgiving and being taken into a larger world and a real world of experiencing only the reality of that person with a capital R, of that personal situation where there is only love. There is only love. And that's what's real. And you recognise that it's real. I remember sitting in a coffee shop when I was dealing with um, a very important relationship where I learned most of this from, where I was rah-rah-rahing in my mind about this person. And I got tired of it, so I knew what I had to do. So I started saying, I'm willing to forgive him, and I release him over to the higher power. I'm willing to forgive him, and the higher power. And what happened, sitting in this little coffee shop early in the morning, was that my awareness went, it went wider, and all I felt was my heart open, and this small in my heart. And when I thought about this person, all I could feel was the love that was real, enormous love for this person, no recrimination, no blame, no, no nothing. Um, and I knew that that was me. I knew that I was in, in the place of experiencing him as being real and myself. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it probably lasted about 10 minutes before my ego tempted me back into the rara 
quite deep and how we did blah, blah, blah. So that took me out of it. And then I don't know how many, I sat in that for about two weeks. <laughs> then once again, I couldn't stand the pain anymore. And I said, I don't want this anymore. I want what I had before. So I chose to do the beginner's work. And once again, I went up there because I caught riding the serpent's back. It's like you go in and out, in and out, in and out of peace into the pain when you first learn about these kinds of things. And especially in crisis that we were asked to choose to forgive because there's no one else to go. And um, I got to that place again, sitting in another coffee shop. I, I tell this story in a group of people, they always, always say, which coffee shop? <laughs> and so when I was back in that place of where, here's a good definition of it, true forgiveness is when what someone has done to you has not occurred. And that's the state I was in from an incredible sense of betrayal and treachery into it didn't occur. And I sat there in this incredible peace and beauty and love for this person, which I knew that person was getting in that 3,000 miles away. And I thought to myself, oh, this is it. I know it's the truth. Oh, gee, I trust it. It lasts longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> and, of course, um, it, it lasted a bit longer. But, and with over time, in choosing again and again and again, um, that whole thing is complete. Um, all I have is appreciation and regard and loving gratitude to this person for playing this role in my life because it's a role. People only play roles for us. Um, um, and sometimes, you know, they put the good cowboy hat on and the bad cowboy hat on. One is white and one is black. You know the difference. And sometimes there's a few of them sitting in people wardrobes. Um, and it's usually people that we love who really invite us by their behaviour because we love them um, that they put the, the bad guy hat on and play that out for us so we get to heal and forgive the things we've come to heal and forgive which are really in us we're just not conscious of and we only to get to a point of only having gratitude how do you know you're forgiven is number one you don't have any grievances anymore or regret all guilt in regards to that person. Um, and you only have love in your heart for that situation or that person. Um, and you only have gratitude. If you're thankful for what that personal situation gave you, you got it. That's it when you only have gratitude because that's that is that you, you only do owe anyone or anything gratitude. And one of the experiences that they give you and often though, when I have an initial reaction to someone, where they've been mean or I think they've been mean or whatever to me, I now ask almost immediately in taking responsibility and go, hang on a minute, I have a reason to thank this person <laughs> for being up to me and I will not respond until I do. And when I ask for that reason, what happens now? It comes in pretty darn quick is that I recognise and see the role they're playing for me and the gift that they're giving me. It's just like in a dream where you've got the monster, you know, after you and you're running and you're running and you're running. And if you turn around and face that monster and, uh, and instead of running from them, you turn around and face them, they become your ally rather than your enemy. When we turn around and look at them and not run away with that or not react, in ways that come from our ego. 
So just to say, I know there's a reason to back this person and I'm so willing to know what that is now. That's what I do a lot. I'm, and, I, and I'm talking in a way, I'm talking to the ceiling, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm talking to that spiritual level of my being because I think that we embody our true self in a lifetime, that we can do that, that we start to embody who we really are, which is the identification with the love within us, which is the soul within us, which is our real being, and not the persona or the avatar <laughs> that we have in this world, which is, you know, one way of saying it. So we start becoming more of who we really are. Yeah. Mm. And that brings us all the things that we say that we want. Love, safety, peace, being able to navigate our world with, with grace, you know, with elegance, with um, enlightenment. Because that's what we're talking about here. All of this is about um, us having a larger view that embraces everything we experience with life, where we are not affected by people and, and things that we actually, we're the ones who affect people and things. By the quality of our living, of our thoughts, and what we, and our perceptions of things. And that's completely up to us. And that's what I help people with is to allow, empower them really to knows that they have everything inside of them um, to navigate their way back to the truth for themselves. Because we're all looking for that, aren't we? We're looking for the peace within us. Peace is a beautiful word. It's the one that I want the most in my life. And from being in this world, and what I want to give to people too, is, is peace. Thank you for, for sharing that beautiful story, Julie. I've heard you speak about it and, you know, to my understanding, um, the one in relation to your previous relationship, it was a really defining big moment in your life. And Absolutely. so I hope for, for the listeners to, to truly understand that I think, you know, when you listen to someone that teaches about forgiveness, it can be quite easy to kind of shoulder it off as if it's just sort of like a teaching, but you're truly a living example of of going through something. And particularly the experience of betrayal is one of the hardest ones, I think. And to be able to practice forgiveness is truly, as you said, it's courage, it's it's acting of the heart. And I think it's really beautiful. And you mentioned, Julie, about um, the power of our thoughts. And I know that you say that thoughts are creative. I would love to go into this space because it's something that I've certainly taken more responsibility in of my own life and I'm starting to see the manifestations of that and I think it is truly powerful. It's not woo-woo stuff. I, I personally feel like it is very real. I'd love to to hear more about your thoughts on the idea. Oh, of you I always say to people, if you ask me questions, you get the best out of it. So, uh, I really, I love that because this, I have been, oh gosh, I wrote about it in my book and I knew about it many years ago, but you know what? It's only recently that I've really gone, oh my God, I have, I've taken the next step with it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's as a result of all the work that I've done on myself in choosing to love rather than anything else, choosing to forgive. And that is that I think we create our world both consciously and subconsciously. 
subconsciously is usually the patterning, the conditioning that we react to. When you do that work on yourself, you start clearing out that subconscious level and you get to see that you can consciously choose profoundly the life that you deserve to have, especially because of the forgiveness. When we do the forgiveness work, see, guilt seeks all we're ever doing is forgiving deeply held unconscious guilt, projecting out onto the world. And um, that guilt seeks punishment, that punishment seeks pain in some way. When you melt away that guilt, that's that, that uncomfortable feeling that we don't allow ourselves to feel, so it becomes subconscious, um, we start to melt that away with our willingness to love and to forgive. So what it takes us home to is the recognition of our worth and that we are worthy of what we truly desire. We are worthy of having things come to us easily, that we are meant to have, that there is an abundance in this world, there truly is. And it's allowing ourselves to experience that without loss to anyone else, without competition. And so um, we create our reality by the quality of our thinking. And if you want to see how, how true that is, just look around at your life you're going to see the results of your thoughts, both consciously and subconsciously. If it's something that you don't want, then to me, um, you're, I, what, what I do, when I see things that I don't want in my life, I am willing to forgive it. I just bring forgiveness to that and say, then I start to choose what I do want. Mm. I choose what I do want, and I'm really aware of my thinking around that. So that is a discipline as well in going on that conditioning is to choose the things that we do want rather than what we don't because we reflex. It's a default mechanism to go into what we don't want. So that's that ego part of us. But it's the loving spiritual self that says, hang on, you know, that's not necessarily so. I can actually experience myself what I really do want, which is ease and abundance and love and safety and peace of all the things that bring me those kinds of things because I've already recognised them in myself. And that's why I work with my cousin, um, who is a clinical therapist, in running self hypnosis workshops that teach you to go to that deeper level of your being and start creating from that level of your your um, your uh, consciousness, as well as consciously moving around in your body, choosing what you do. Want. And of course, the effect is that we start manifesting in our lives what we do really want. But you, we've got to be, I think it's about um, being open to receiving genuinely. Because when I talk to people in the self-adjust workshops, um, I say, look, you're going to really start to open to the fact that you can actually have what you want. You can have the house you want, you can have the car you want, you can have the relationship you want, you can have whatever you wish to have that you're saying that you value for yourself. And what happens is when we start pouring in that beautiful crystal clear water into the glass that we are, which is the things that we want, if there's any sediment at the bottom, it's going to stir that up. And, and that's when we go, we start to go, we doubt ourselves and go, oh, can I really have that? When we start to open to what, about, sorry, when we start to open to what we can really have, what we want, what can come up? You pour in that crystal clear water, what's going to come if there's anything in there that says that you can't, you experience that as, oh, can I really have this? Doubt comes up. Mm. And I call them just bubbles. They're just 
bubbles that just are relieving you and you're experiencing them on the way up. And so you keep doing the work, pouring in that crystal clear water into that glass with sediment at the bottom. Eventually, the sediment flows to the top, no good flows, so that after a while, all you're left with is crystal clear water. You cannot hold in you two opposing elements um, of um, something that you that is really uh, desirable and loving in contrast to anything that's not. It's one or the other. So you put in all the good stuff. Any of the things that in the past that you've indulged in and thought was real will come to the surface. Mm-hmm. So it's really important not to give up at that point or think that that's real because that can happen also in the healing. It's called a healing crisis is that when you go to the naturopath and they change your regime and, and give you all these things that start clearing up and cleansing your body, um, you can start reacting you know, to that. But it, you don't stop there. You keep going. You, you go through that reaction because it's just living. Mm. So um, I'm saying go for what you really do want. Notice when those bubbles come up, don't think that they're real. That makes you doubt your ability to receive and create this a world, a beautiful world for yourself, a heaven on earth, if you wish. You can have that, yeah. and it's persistent. Persistence that gets us everywhere. Mm. Mm. It is truly the the persistence and the commitment, and I really love that, Julie. The idea of looking around in our life and seeing what we don't want, and be willing to forgive that and then make that conscious choice of what you do want and be open to receiving that. That is truly powerful, Julie. Thank you so much for sharing such a a beautiful teaching and thank you so much for this conversation. I I truly, deeply appreciate everything that you've shared and I certainly think this is one conversation that is worth listening to more than once. So thank you so much, Julie. Thank you. It's been a privilege. Thank you very much for asking And I'd love to ask you, Julie, on a final note, what does it mean to you to be human? <laughs> oh, that is such a wonderful question. I think to be human is to be divine and that we have the capacity as humans already inside of us to love, that we have the choice. To be human is to have a choice. And to know that you have that choice. And that choice is always in some way to be loving. And if you don't know how, you ask. (laughs) You ask, yeah.